Thank you. In five years, I'll be 70. And that's not a joke. I am excited to be back with you. I think it was a few years ago that I was here. And I just want to say thank you so much for inviting me to come again and share from God's word. Let's bow our hearts in prayer. Almighty God and Heavenly Fathers, we come before your throne of grace. We acknowledge that we come washed in the blood of your son Jesus and covered in his righteousness. And we bow our hearts before you, Father. And we say thank you for redeeming each one of us. Father God, we pray now and ask in Jesus' name that you will open our hearts as we listen to your word. That we will just not only listen, but we will be doer of your words, O oh God. We will put what we hear into action in our lives. Bless this time now, for we ask it in Jesus' loving name. Amen. I just want to share a little bit as to who I am. Uh, you can tell from my, my name, last name is Mohammed, and you don't often have Mohammed preaching the gospel. So that being said, <laughs> I come from a Muslim background, but I was sharing with my brother there uh, just for those who are from India, listen to this carefully. 125 years ago, my ancestors from Uttar Pradesh left Uttar Pradesh and went to South America. And they were Hindus. When they arrived in South America, Guyana, my, gra my great-grandmother married to a Muslim. So all... Everybody born after that were born as a Muslim. And it's 47 years ago that I left South America, Guyana, and come to Canada. And 37 years ago, I was a devout Muslim, gave my heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. And for 37 years ago, 37 years now, I have been sharing God's good news all over the world. And not only that, my wife comes from a Hindu background. And today all of her families are now believers and walking with the Lord. Now, I just want to share a little bit as to what we do before I get into the word. We are called the Mississauga Prayer Group. Now, I'm Contemplating changing the name MPG, Mississauga Prayer Group, to MPG, the Muhammad Proclaiming the Gospel. <laughs> because this is what we do. This is our life. And I'm going to share a little bit with you, uh, about four minutes. Going to blow your mind as to what God can do if we are faithful to him. I just came back from a meeting uh, two weeks ago from Orlando. And you, do you know why I was there? Now listen to this. Listen carefully. You may not believe it. But we are starting to reach out to 60 million homes in the United States. We have already started from Albany working all the way to the Canadian border, Buffalo. We have already completed the city of Schenectady, New York, and working our way. 
We are heading to, um, to Orlando and Deland, Florida, the March 2nd to the 9th, to reach one million homes in one week. Think of it. And we will have over between 1,500 to 2,500 workers for one week working with us. And we are expecting within that one week 248,000 new believers for that first period. And it's all started because God, for some reason, his plan allow our ancestors from Uttar Pradesh to migrate to South America, and then from South America to Canada, and then using us all over the world. We are into Africa. We are just about to, to finish all of uh, the West Indies. We are into South America. We are into Pakistan. And I told Brother Viji that we are going to India also. So just imagine, and it's all done from here from Mississauga. We are not an organization, Mississauga Prayer Group is just Mississauga Prayer. It's a group of us just gathering to, for prayer and to outreach. We have completed the entire city of Mississauga. We are just about to complete Brampton. We are all the way up to um, Batters. Yeah, from Batters Street. I have a group working from Ajax coming, and we will meet at the 404 in Toronto, completing all of Toronto from Ajax all the way. We just finished 10,000 homes in the Fergus area. Think about it. God is doing amazing things. And my question to you, what are you doing? And I hope as I bring this message to you, that you will pay close attention to this message from 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 7 to 11. And the title of the message is this, Living with the End in View. Listen to what he says in 1 Peter 4, 7. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled so you can what? Pray. And if we want to get the gist of what God is saying to us from this verse, we must read or understand the context of this passage from verses 7 to 11. Listen to what it says. Excuse me. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sin. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others. Faithfully administering God's grace in its various form. If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides. So that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be glory 
and the power forever and ever. Amen. See, Peter was writing to Christians who were living in a time of crisis. And we are also living in a time of crisis. He wrote to encourage them. And we need encouragement also. The end of all things is near. What was Peter referring to? Was he referring to that the Jewish economy going to come to an end that, like we are hearing in the United States and in different parts of this world? No. You see, he was writing to encourage these believers because many of them have been laying down their lives because of their faith in Christ. And he was writing this letter to, encouraging, to encourage them. Paul was writing to the Christians who were living in a time of crisis. Listen to what he says in 1 Peter 4.12. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering. As though something strange were happening to you. Christians were being killed, being slaughtered. Like in many countries, we know. Uh, in, in Pakistan, where we are involved, we are reaching out to 181 million Muslims. Our workers goes out six days a week. And you know who they go to? They go into the Muslim area. And the driver will have his foot and the gas. One of them will sit at the driver's steering wheel. Just in case of danger, they jump in. The rest of them will jump into the van and scoot away. Many times they have been thrown in jail. But our, we serve a miracle-working God because every time they were thrown in jail, what happened? Every time God gets them out and they're able to evangelize within the jail and within the court system. That's how amazing our God is. Peter was certainly referring in the context to this passage to the end of age. This is what he was referring to. He was, he was talking about the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ to earth. In James 5.8 it says, You to be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. This is why Peter was writing to these people. Lift your heads up. Think about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Your suffering may last only for a moment. But your joy will last everlasting. You know, yesterday I had a meeting. A group of believers came over, saints came over for breakfast and to discuss about us going a team. I'm taking a team from, uh, from Canada here to go to Orlando uh, for this massive outreach of reaching 60 million home, which is a start in Orlando. And knowing that these saints are coming, uh, 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 I think eight or nine of them was there. On Friday, I vacuum my house. I dust and I vacuum and I mop the floors and everything, make sure my house is spick and span for my guests coming. And then Saturday, I got up at four o'clock in the morning and I made bacon, sausages, eggs, and chicken samosas. I heated up the chicken samosas with a pot of chai. Because my guests were special who were coming. And I, when they come, I invited them in and we had a wonderful time. 
Why did I share this story? Because you see, my guests, I know that my guests is coming and they are very important to me because they are saints. They're brothers and sisters in the Lord. But we have one who is coming, who is the king of kings and the Lord of lords, who is the creator of the heavens and the earth and all within it. He's coming again, and his coming is imminent. It's near. And if we know this, as scripture has told us, there's 90 verses in the, in the New Testament that speaks about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And if we know that he's coming and his coming is near, what effect should it have on your life and my life? I think it should affect the way we as believers live. It should affect the way that you and I pray. It should affect the way that you and I love one another. It should affect the way that you and I serve him. And when I mean serving, reaching the lost, sharing the good news. The truth of the second advent is always present throughout the Bible. And as I mentioned, there is 90 references to the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in the New Testament alone. What difference then should this make in you and I? Knowing that the end is in view. Knowing that our Lord Jesus Christ coming is near. It's soon. And I want to give to you seven points that I hope you will never forget. And that you will remember it and put it into practice. Point number one. If we believe that the time is near that our Lord Jesus Christ is coming soon. Then we should live a calm and orderly life. Verse 7 tells us this. This then is the meaning of the word clear-minded and self-controlled. In verse 7, because the end is in view, we are called to keep a sound mind or lead an orderly life. These early Christians needed this exhortation from Peter very much because they were surrounded by those who hated them, like you and I today, and in different parts of the world. We also need this exhortation today, and especially in many parts of this world, and especially in the Muslim countries, where our brothers and sisters are being persecuted tremendously. Listen to what it says in Isaiah 26.3. You will keep in perfect peace whose mind is steadfast because he what? Trust in you. That's where our trust is. Our hope is in the Lord. Our trust is in him. Listen to what it tells us in Philippians 4, 7. And the peace of God which transcend all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So, the first point says we ought to live a calm and orderly life. And this brings us to the second point. If we believe that the time is near, that our Lord Jesus Christ is coming soon, then we should be men and women of prayer. Because this is what verse 7 continued to say. You live a calm and orderly life so that we can what? Pray. And I want to ask you this question. What is your prayer life like? 
Think about it. You know, I am made make it a practice in my life for 30 plus years. Whether I was working or not, I'm a senior citizen now, so I've been retired for 14 years now. But that did not stop me from getting up at 4.30 every morning. You know why? To spend my quality time with my God in prayer and his word. I tell people, don't call me before 9 o'clock. You call me after 9. Because from 4 to 9, I'm with my Lord. I do not want interruption. Verse 7 says, Peter goes on to say, so that you can pray. Peter showed a faithful servant on watch for his master returning. We are called to engage ourselves in prayer, not for the benefit that we will receive, but for the benefit our prayer will bestow on others. This is why. The philosophy of prayer is hard to understand. If God wants to bless us, why should we pray? The answer is that God has ordained it this way. There's something God will do. Let me, let me read that again. There are some things which God will do if we pray. And there are some things he will not do if we fail to pray. Therefore, with vigilance and diligence, we are to keep on praying. Present continuous tense. This is something that we ought to make a practice in our life. And when we pray, we are to pray alone. Matthew 6, 6 says, But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, pray to the, your heavenly Father who is unseen. Then your Father who see what, sees what is done in secret will reward you. But not are we to pray alone, but we are to pray with others also. Matthew 18, 19, and 20, listen to what he says. Again, I tell you that if two of you on earth agrees about anything you ask for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am with you. So not are we to pray alone, but we are to pray with others. But there is a third point to this prayer. We are to pay, pray constantly. Listen to what he says in Ephesians 6.18. And pray in the spirit on all occasion with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Again, I ask you this question. What is your prayer life like? Do you spend quality time in your prayer with the Lord? And when you pray, is your prayer mostly about yourself? No, shouldn't be. Our prayer should be mostly about adoration to our God. Giving him praise and glory and honor. Giving him thanks. Then go to our knees and ask for forgiveness for our sins. And the least things 
is the things that we will ask for ourselves because he knows what we need. My time in prayer is mostly spent in giving praise and adoration and thanksgiving to our God for what he has done, what he has done for my, in my life and had done in the lives of others, giving him all the praise and glory and honor. The third thing, if we believe that the time is near, that the Lord Jesus is coming soon, then we should love one another fervently. And the kind of love, verse 8, the kind of love that God is speaking about here is the agape love. It is a sacrificial love. The love that is displayed in John 3.16. For God so loved this world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. It is a sacrificial love. God gave his son. That is the kind of love God is saying, yes, uh, mentioning here. And in Romans 5.5. 5, and hope does not disappoint us. Because God has poured out his love into our hearts. By the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. God has poured out his love. What kind of a love? The agape love in our hearts. Just think about it. Who resides in you and I? If we are a believer. If we have asked Christ into our lives. That moment we made that profession of faith. The Holy Spirit comes and resides in us. Do you have any idea what that means? The power that we have at our hands with that Holy Spirit that indwells us. And it is this kind of love that God poured out into our heart. This agape love. The sacrificial love. And this is the kind of love we should be displaying. Galatians 5, 23 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no, what? Law. This then is the kind of love that God sheds in you and I heart, our heart. So that with his love, we are able to be loving. We are able to be loving above all things. And our love is to be fervent. This kind of love is to be experienced among ourselves. We are called to keep on loving one another. Why? Think about it. Why are we called to love one another? One reason is given. For love covers what? Sin. And whose sin does it cover? Mine? No. It covers the sins of others. That's why. What it says is that love will find a way for you and I to forgive. And to forget the sins of others against you and I. God has forgiven us. We should do the same. And there's a passage that I read here that brought tears to my eyes many times. Kings and queens will read it out loud. Prime ministers and presidents, officials, high officials, they will read this passage out and listen to what it says. 
about love. 1 Corinthians 13, 1 to 8. And now I will show you the most excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging clamber. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all the mysteries and all the knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains but have not love, I am what? Nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flame, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not boast. Love is not pride, proud. Love is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoice in the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. Whenever I hear this passage read out by kings and, and queens and presidents and officials, it brings tears to my eye because they are talking about my God. Because this is the kind of love God gave. And in Matthew 18, 21, 22, then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sinned against me? Up to seven times? And our Lord Jesus Christ answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 70 times seven. Love will motivate you and drive you to do that. The fourth point I want to bring out to you is this. If we believe that the time is near, that our Lord Jesus Christ is coming soon, then we should set out to be friendly. This is a deep meaning of verse 9. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Now just imagine if when those guests came yesterday into my home and, and I sat grumbled. Huh, what kind of love would that be? No. What kind of friendship would it be? It would not be right. It refers to opening our home to friends and strangers. This was, a, this was very necessary in the, first, in the first century. Go back and read the book of Acts. But there is still a great ministry to be carried out along in the lines in our churches today. And in our assemblies today. The root meaning here, however, has to do with friendliness not in the home, but friendliness in the heart. Not where it starts. This is one way in which we can show love, as verse 8 says. Express love. In our churches and assemblies, there is a great, great, great need for this simple, sincere, loving friendliness. You know, that's how I came, what really spoke to my heart. That day when I went to, to a Christian church, the message meant nothing to me. It went in one ear, came out the other ear, because I, when I listened to the pastor preaching, I said to myself, that man, this guy is crazy. Because everything he was preaching from the Bible, from the word of God, was contrary to what I believe as a Muslim. But you know what spoke to me? What really grabbed my heart? After the service. For the first time, all these years going to the mosque, I never uh, felt or witnessed something like this. The love among the Christians. 
And I knew that this was different. It spoke tremendously to me. So we got to set out to be friendly. The fifth point is this. If we believe that the time is near, that our Lord Jesus Christ is coming soon, then we should be busy in the Lord's work. Let me say that again. We should be busy in the Lord's work. We should be busy in the Lord's work, meaning sharing the good news. Verse 10, verse 10 tells us that God has entrusted you and I with spiritual gift or gifts. And that we must exercise those gifts for the benefit. For who? Us? Uh, for, my, uh, for yourself? No, no, no. For others. That's why we have been given gifts. Gift or gifts. To use it for the benefits of others. The Holy Spirit has imparted to every Christian. Some spiritual divine endowment. And we are trustees of these gifts or gifts of the Spirit. And we must, I, I must say this, underline the word, must use these gifts for the benefit of the body. Look what it says in Luke 19, 12 to 13. He said, a man of noble birth went to a distant country to have himself appointed king and then return. So he called 10 of his servants and gave them 10 minutes. Put this money to work, he says, until I come back. And we know what, if we read the entire story on that, we know what happened. One went and hated the money. And if we compare that verse with John 9, 4, he says, as long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. So we must exercise those gifts today. We must get busy in the Lord's work today. Not next month, not next year. You know, when we are when, uh, in our outreach, I will approach churches and I, I will say to the churches, listen, um, we will be covering this entire area and your church is in the midst of the, this area. Can you, if you want, can you provide us with uh, information in your churches and we will put it into our packets, okay, so people will know about your church, right? Non-believers. Unbelievers both will be receiving it. And they says, yes, fantastic, that's great. In six months we will have our meeting and in six months we will let you know. And I say, bye-bye. See you. Because I do not have six months to wait. Because if we read the book of Jude, the book of Jude says, we are to snatch them from the fire. Read the book of Jude. And snatching shows what? Urgency. Can you imagine if your house is on fire and you call the fire department and he says, um, okay, we are having our coffee break, we are having our donut and coffee, as soon as we finish, we'll come. By the time they get there, what happened to your house? It's burnt down. Likewise, laugh. But likewise, just think, how much of your neighbors, your co-workers, your friends, do not know the Lord? And 
who knows what will happen the next moment with them. They may die, and they go to a Christless eternity. This is why my wife and I, and we are training our kids and our grandkids to do the same thing. You know what I do? There is nowhere is out of limit for me. I share the gospel everywhere I go. Now, most of you, you've seen my last name. I told you, my last name is Mohammed. Now, with my last name, Mohammed, when you walk into a plane, you do not go to the cockpit of the plane, do you? Why? Not with the last name, Mohammed. <laughs> but I do. You know why? Because I say, I know that the pilot who's going to be flying this plane that I will be in need to know about the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'll be sharing the Lord Jesus Christ with the people sitting in the plane also. In the ship, cruise, my wife and I, we go every, week, every year on a cruise. And why you think, what do you think we do on a cruise? By our second to last cruise, South Pacific cruise, 35 days. I, shared, I lead 20, 28 to 29 Bible studies, conduct Sunday service, and every island... We reach out to all the people that we meet. And every morning I get up after my devotional time. And I take one deck at a time in the ship. And I go through the entire ship. And I reach all the staff. And you know how much people is on a ship? Staff alone is about 1,500. And then you got 4,000 passengers. And when you're in the middle of the ocean. And you got Solomon Mohammed there. You have to hear about Jesus. Simple as that. We have to get going. We have to tell people about Jesus. As long as it is there, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when I cannot work. One of the greatest needs in our churches and assemblies is for workers. For, men, for many are at ease. And hear this. Complacency is a major problem in the church. Complacency is a major problem in the church. Listen to what it says in Amos 6.1. Woe to you who are complacent in Zion. And to you who feel secure among Samaria. You notable men of the forest most nation. To whom the people of Israel come. We cannot be complacent. We got to do what God called us to do. We are not safe to be silent. We are safe to be his mouthpiece, his hands, his feet, his eyes, his mouth. You and I are called to do that. The sixth point is this. If we believe that the time is near, that our Lord Jesus is coming soon, then we should speak boldly in his name. Yes. Verse 11 tells us. The real meaning is that we should be a mouthpiece for our God. We should speak for him. With the ability he grants us or gives us. You know when I walk in the, sh uh, in the cruise ship. As soon as I walk in. Uh, the young, guys may, young people may know this. What's the famous um, uh, statement of Arnold Schwarzenegger? Hey? I'll be back. And as soon as I walk in the ship, I said, I'm back. 
Because I got my Bibles and my DVDs and my tracks, you will not believe how much I carry with me to reach the entire ship. Nothing is off limit for you and I. I went in the middle of the road in Pakistan, and you do know you do not do this because this you're citing your death warrant. I went in the middle of the road in Pakistan and put my hands like this and stopped the entourage of the prime minister coming down the road. <laughs> and everybody's looking at me as I am nuts. But I have my weapon with me. You know what my weapon was? A large print of the Injil, the Bible. And the prime minister told them to stop the, the entourage. And when he stopped, I walked up to his door and by the time I reached his, uh, his limousine, the secret, the secret service grabbed me. And he said to them, leave him alone. And then he, before I could say anything to him, he said to me, is that a Bible you have in your hands? I says, yes, because I wanted to give you as a gift. You see, he knew it was a Bible because he was raised in a convent school. And when I go to give it to him, the security grab it and he says, no. I will keep this with me. And his, the Prime Minister, Nawaz Sharif, his brother was with him in the limousine. And his brother is killing himself laughing because he knows what I just did was dumb. But God has a purpose in all of it. You see, we have to be bold. We have to speak for him. You know how many times you threaten to take my life? You know what I tell them? The day Solomon Muhammad say yes to Christ, I no longer live, but Christ lived in me. So whatever you want to do, if he allows it, he has a purpose in it. Simple as that. They chased me from one end of Pakistan. I was a missionary in Pakistan. They chased me from one end of Pakistan to the other end. Still alive, still winning soul for Christ. We got to be bold. Listen to what he says in Zechariah 4.6. So he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. We go in the power of the Holy Spirit. We go with God leading and guiding us. That's how we go. This referred to a simple, sincere testifying as well as planned opportunities to share the gospel message. If we believe that the Lord Jesus Christ is coming soon, then we should certainly be busy in telling others about the need for them to trust in him. Are you taking the opportunities to share Christ? We are giving you an opportunity. Come, join us in Orlando. Join us. I go every day in Toronto by myself because I know a lot of people are working. But I go every day by myself, jump in my car, and I reach 300 homes. In winter, minus, one day was minus 17. Didn't bother me, a senior citizen. I climb over the snowbanks if I have to. And I reach. Because I know when I stand before him, he will call me to give an account. Read Ezekiel chapter 33. He will call us to give an account, you and I. 
verse one, um, Psalm 107 verse 2 says, Let the redeemed of the Lord say this, Those he redeemed from the hands of the foul. Say what? Doing what the Lord called us to do. Read the, the entire psalm. And my last point is this, point seven. If we believe that the time is near, that our Lord Jesus Christ is coming soon, then we should do everything for God's glory. We should be privileged to be instrument in his hands to be used for what? His glory. Everything we do, we do to bring glory to our God. Not to Solomon Muhammad, not to Brother Viji, not to this church, not to any uh, organization or, or anybody. It is to bring glory to our God. Simple as that. Verse 11 concludes with this section. And we will good to compare it with verse, uh, um, uh, verse uh, uh, in 1 Corinthians 10, 31. Listen to what it says. So whatever, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all, what? For the glory of God. All that I do, and I'm reaching millions all over the world. But I am nothing. I am privileged and thankful to be an instrument in their hands. To be used. To bring glory to his name. Solomon is nobody. But my God is everything. To him be all the glory, the honor and the praise. What does it mean to do everything for God's glory? It means to speak with God's help. To think with God's help. To speak with God's help. To act with God's help only in the way that are pleasing to our Lord. And to bring honor to his name. And not to our name, but to his name. To the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Colossians 3.17. This is the last verse on our close. And whatever you do, whether in words or deed. Do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Friends, Jesus our Lord is coming soon. So let us then live with the end in view. And when the end comes, the Lord Jesus Christ will translate us into his glory. Then this will be our new beginning for all eternity. So what will we do with living, knowing that the end is in view? Knowing that our Lord Jesus Christ is coming soon. Are we going to live for him? Putting these seven points in action in our lives. And if we are faithful in doing this. You believe me. That God will do mighty things through you. Mighty things. Because this is his promise to us. Let's bow our hearts in prayer. Almighty God, we are thankful for your holy and inspired word given to us. And we thank you, O oh God, for these points that were laid out for us from this passage of 1 Peter 4, 7 to 11. We are so thankful to you, O oh God, for your word. And we pray and ask in Jesus' name, that your Holy Spirit will impress on our hearts that we will apply these verses to our lives.
this passage to our lives, and that we will glorify you and exalt and magnify you and give you all the glory in all that we do. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.